Let us continue our worship in the Word of God. Turn with me to Proverbs 11, verse 28. Proverbs 11, 28. Uh, since it's only one verse, why don't we uh, read it together in one voice? Together. Those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Good to see you all. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, as our theme for this year is Thrive 2022, and you notice that it is a continual theme from the last year. Uh, we have received this verse um, in the beginning of last year, uh, 2021, and as we put our trust in this promise, uh, we are continuing with this theme, Thrive, as well, in, as well as uh, in 2022. And it is my prayer that God will continue to bless us to thrive in whatever we do as we seek His kingdom and His righteousness this year together as one body of Christ. Amen? Turn to the person next to you and say, thrive. However, humanly speaking, if you look at the current environment, it is kind of strange to speak about thriving. Things are clearly getting worse every day in our country. We are still dealing with COVID, not only in terms of medically, but in terms of socially and politically and even spiritually. I know that so many Christians are operating in fear because of this COVID. And this is not just mere medical issue anymore, but it is a political issue, a social issue, even spiritual issue, and it is a big concern for all the believers. Now, what about our economy? Our economy is clearly sinking. We are still experiencing uh, huge high inflation, and things are not going smoothly anymore. Many people are suffering financially as well. See, we are, in, in a way, in trouble. We're still experiencing such polarization due to conflicted ideologies in our politics, in our society, in our culture, even in the church. I mean, cultural wars, as it is shifting toward very anti-Christian principles in the name of redefining the essentials in life. Many churches are closed, conflicted within, confused, even compromised. Perhaps we have not seen the worst yet. And you might ask, how can we say we shall thrive this year? Perhaps it's time for us to survive, not to thrive. The question should be, like this, how can we survive in this chaotic time? Maybe there might be a more appropriate question. However, in spite of all these circumstances and our current environment, the promise of God is very clear. He says the righteous shall thrive. And if God promises us that He is with us, he shall not, we shall not just survive, but we shall continue to thrive this year. Amen. I mean, think back last year, how God was so faithful to all of you, all of us in our church, that we are able to thrive and continue to move forward today. I mean, I've been hearing testimonies after testimonies from some of you, even outside of our church, those who are really holding on to the promise of God. Then, and now we are expecting God to even bless us even more so that we can continue to thrive in Him this year. Now, what does it mean by thriving? If you just look into the word study on thrive, thrive, the word thrive, you will notice a couple of these definitions are there. It means it has a concept of growing vigorously, concept of prospering. There's a concept of flourishing. So growing vigorously, prospering, and flourishing, and those are the idea that the word thrive has. So there's three things that we really want to thrive this year as one body of Jesus Christ. By faith, 
First, we want to grow vigorously in our faith. Amen to that. We want to grow in our spirituality. We really want to know who Jesus is. We really want to serve him, honor him, and personally get to know him. And and he becomes our God and Savior and Lord over your life and your family. But we need to grow spiritually. That is why we've been talking about some of the fundamentals. We need to go back to the biblical teachings and understand clearly what God really wants us to know about Him. And I call this spiritual breakthrough. So pray that you will have a spiritual breakthrough, that you will get to know Jesus this year even more. And I'm not only talking about those who do not know Jesus Christ right now. I'm talking about all of us, that we really want to mature in our faith, knowing who Jesus is even more and loving him and and receiving his love even more. We want to grow vigorously this year in our faith. We want the spiritual breakthroughs. Secondly, we want to experience prosperity in our life. I'm talking more physical breakthroughs, financial breakthroughs. I know some of us may suffer financially. Probably all of us, whole our nation will suffer even more financially. But times like this, we can really ask God, Lord, we really want to grow, not only for our own sake, as we seek your kingdom and your righteousness, as we understand who you are, as we really want to be your people, holy people, set apart for you and for, your, for, for worshiping you, we really want the physical breakthroughs. And especially when I say physical breakthroughs, I'm also praying that all of us will experience the power for protection over our body. Man, so many Christians today, they are so fearful of their illness or sickness, even COVID situation. We cannot operate normally anymore. But the Bible clearly tells us, my brothers and sisters, no matter what, even in our sickness, even in our illness, even in the face of COVID situation, we are to operate in faith. We are to live our lives for Jesus Christ without fear. Amen. Something that we need to think about. And I'm praying that all of us will really experience the prosperity in our life, that the physical breakthrough, even financial breakthrough, so that people will know that God is blessing all of you, that we can grow and we can continue to seek God's kingdom and His righteousness. Amen. Thirdly, we really want to flourish in our ministry. And this is more ministerial breakthrough, that we really want to grow in our spirit, in our ministry. We want to reach out more people. We want to do more missions. I know that we, won't be, we, we couldn't go to the mission field for the last two years, but we really want to ask God that, Lord, give us the opportunity that we want to continue to bless people, and we really want to evangelize, sharing the gospel, bringing people and leading people to Christ to become true believers, to true born-again believers in Christ in such time as this. So those three things, spiritual, physical, ministerial breakthroughs that you are praying for and growing vigorously in our faith, experiencing prosperity in our life and flourishing in our ministry. That's what it means by thriving this year. Amen? And I'm sure all of us, we really want to experience this power of thriving in Christ Jesus together. And, you know, we had that last year as a thrive, and we will continue with this theme that we want to thrive this year in 2022. Now, the question still remains, then how can we thrive? Fine, we want spiritual, physical, ministerial breakthroughs, but how can we do that? How can we achieve that? Well, we cannot achieve in ourselves. Those who depending on their riches, will fall. Bible says, but the righteous shall thrive like green leaf. We'll talk more about that. But how can we thrive? We cannot thrive in our own, our own abilities. But we can thrive as we depend on Jesus Christ, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as Hebrews chapter 12 says. 
We don't look at things around us. We don't just listen to the things and all the social narratives. We look into the word of Christ and we fix our eyes on Jesus. And as we see Jesus and focus on him, we will go through the storms. We'll be even walk on the water. We'll be able to experience healing, even the miracles. And everything is possible in Christ. Thus, how do we thrive? We need to focus on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Know Jesus, who Jesus is, and get to know him. Worship him. Seek him. Listen to his word. Pray to him. Everything we need to focus on who? Jesus, in order for us to thrive. Let me give you four uh, suggestions as we f- what, what it means to fix our, uh, fix our eyes on Jesus in order for us to thrive. First, we need to believe as we seek the very presence of Christ. As you seek the very presence of Christ, believe. This is a matter of faith. The Word says that the righteous shall thrive. Well, who is righteous? Are we righteous? As we examine our lives, I don't know how many of us, we can really raise our hands when we say, who is righteous in this room? And surprisingly, many Christians, they struggled, even confused with this question of righteousness because we, all of us, we still struggle with various sins in our flesh, in our lives. I struggle with sins. You struggle with sins. All Christians in this world, they struggle with sins of the flesh. And if our righteousness is based on our own merits, our own performances, I'll tell you, we, we are definitely in trouble. No one is righteous in that way. But the righteousness actually does not come from our own flesh, our own lives. But the Bible says our righteousness is coming from faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 22 says this. Listen to this. The righteousness is given. It's not something that you can earn, but it's given. How? Through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe, all who activate their faith and say, Jesus, you're my Savior. I'm a sinner, but I repent of my sins, and I believe that you die on behalf of me, and I believe that you are the one who can give me life, and I believe in you. When you put your trust in Jesus Christ, the Bible says then the righteousness is given to you. Isn't it amazing? And we call this, in theological term, imputed righteousness of God, of Christ. It's given to us. It's not that we are so special. No, we are special because He loves us, because He gives us His righteousness. It's not that God loves us because we are so special, but we are special because He loves us. We have to clearly understand that. And because He loves us, as we repent and come back to Him, guess what? He gives us His own righteousness to us. That's why whatever the background that you have in your life, whatever that you have done in your life, maybe terrible, horrible things that we all have done, even, even greater degrees of, for some of you, if you truly repent of your sins and believe in Jesus Christ, come to him and ask for his forgiveness, he will give you his own righteousness. Isn't it amazing? That's the message of the cross. When we look at the cross, we, we think of that. Christ's righteousness is given to me. That's who you are in Christ if you believe in Jesus Christ. But only for those who believe in him, not for those who know about Jesus. Not those who believe that Jesus is a historical figure or believe that Jesus is a savior. No, those who believe in Jesus with everything. Those who follow him, he gives us the righteousness of Christ. That's who you are if you are a believer. Our righteousness does not come within. It comes from Christ, from what he did for us. 
We are righteous, therefore, not because of our own merits and status and condition, but through faith in Jesus, the righteousness of Christ has imputed us. And we can dare to say, now I'm righteous in Christ. He is my righteousness. He is my holiness. Now I can live actually a holy life because the Christ is with me. My brothers and sisters, on the other hand, a person who does not live by faith is unrighteous, therefore, because everyone fell short of the glory of God, the Bible says. Even in our good deeds, still we are so falling short of the standard of the holy God. So if we operate in flesh, not by faith, meaning if we do whatever we, our feeling dictates, our actions, our behavior, our conduct will not be approved by God no matter what you do. But only in Christ, when you believe him, you are given the righteousness of Christ. That's our, right. That's our identity. And you are righteous, therefore, the Bible says. We are the righteous people of God as we have faith in Jesus Christ. And our identity is therefore given by God as we put our trust and faith in Jesus. Know who you are in Christ. Don't forget who you are in Christ. I believe that this is so important for us to know, Christians to know, to hold on to, especially in times like this. What's happening today? In the midst of high racial tension and emotions, a lot of us are confused of who we are. Some feel strongly victimized. Some feel even guilty being who they are. And we are tempted to operate in fear and guilt out of confusion. Remember, our identity is not defined by this world. Our identity is not defined by the social narratives, nor what the government tells us who we are. Not by that. We are not, our identity is not defined by our conventional wisdom, not by social media, not by politics. Our identity is not defined merely by our racial, ethnic, cultural, economic, or educational background. No. Know who you are. We are the people of God. And that's the ultimate identity that you will understand and you will hold on to. Amen? Thus, who we are in Christ shall determine what and how we conduct, what and how we speak, how we perceive, how we think, how we relate, how we voice our opinions, how we discern, how we deal with such a socioeconomical and racial issue in this world. Please don't fall into the trap of confusion through social narratives of this world, politics of this world concerning who you are. Know who you are. Amen? You know, I struggled with my identity as an Asian-American or Korean-American. I came to the States when I was 13, and obviously I was raised in Korea, in Korean culture for a long time. I mean, until up to 13, and I came to the States, and I lived in the Philadelphia with my parents. And I remember it was a cultural shock for me because I could not speak a single word of English during the time. And I went to school that there's no Asians. It was just full of white and black kids, and I was just alone. And I got into trouble, yes, because of the miscommunications. Maybe I experienced, yes, I experienced some, some racial prejudice and all that. That's the human life. That's what the reality is. And I remember having very much huge identity crisis. I mean, knowing that when you're eighth grade, uh, you preteen, that's when you're also starting to form your own identity. And when the puberty hits and a lot of things happen, physically, emotionally, and spiritually, even for me, it was a culturally, it was a shocking so I had a really, really bad time in, uh, during the time. I remember I was so confused of who I was to the point where I was rebelling against my parents. I was asking my parents why in the world that we have to come to the States, giving up all the good life that we used to have in Korea because my father was a very successful man uh, in the corporate world. We had all the things that we needed. But why do you have to sell everything and come here with nothing and living in this 100-year-old old apartment and 
I don't know why we have to go through that. And there was a, that was the first time I didn't have my own room. And we are eating the canned food. And what was going on? I just didn't know. And I was complaining. One point, my father actually sat me down and talked to me. And that really changed my life. And that's the philosophy of my, uh, my faith. He said, you, son, you will never be a true American. Because American people will never be able to accept you. You'll be forever perpetual foreigner. You will never be accepted as an American. Let's face the reality. And if you want to go back to Korea, you, they will, you will never be accepted as a Korean. Because in their eyes, you are American because you came to the States. So even in your homeland, the Koreans will not accept you as a Korean. In America, they will not gonna be, you are not going to be perfect American. And up to the, up that moment, I was very depressed and discouraged, even angry. And who am I? And that's when he actually said this to me. He said, you don't have to be an American, a Korean. You are a Christian. That's your identity. From now on, therefore, we shall call you Christian. That is why my name is Christian. Christian Kim today. And when I found my identity in Christ, everything has changed. I didn't have to suffer for my identity crisis. I did not have to focus on my race or my background. I knew who I was. I was a child of God. I was a Christian. Um, that's who we are, my brothers and sisters. I really pray that all of us, we don't identify ourselves with a, some kind of politics or political parties or some kind of race or some kind of education that you have. I really pray that we will identify ourselves with Christ. That's who we are. We are God's people, the righteous people. Amen. And as we understand our identity as a righteous people of God, now, amazing thing is this, we can live a righteous life, a holy life, not by your own power, but by the power of Christ. That's what the Christ is promising us. When you believe and seek my presence, and you, I will give you my spirit, who is Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is upon you, you can live a holy life. We cannot live a righteous and holy life by ourselves, with our own abilities, with our own resolution. It can never happen. Think about your commitment that you make and resolution that you make in the early, uh, in early years. The New Year's Eve, you make the resolution. Oh, I'm going to change. Did it ever happen? Can you actually change yourselves? I cannot change myself. I cannot change any of, any of us. I cannot even change my kids. I cannot even change my pets. They don't listen to me. Do you really think we can change ourselves? No. Then how can you live a holy life and righteous life? That's why Jesus said, I shall give my spirit upon you if you ask. Ask that you will receive the Holy Spirit. Come to my heart, the Holy Spirit. Fill me up with your power. Then through that power, you will be able to live a righteous and holy life. Not with your own goodness, but the goodness of God, by the goodness of God. Which leads us to the next point. We need, you know, if you want to thrive, you need to depend on the power of Christ. The power of Christ is the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, to thrive is to live a holy life. To, I may say it again. To thrive in this life is to live a holy life, a different life, a set-apart life for God. You cannot thrive if you live a same life as all the Americans live. We can thrive when we decide, when we follow a way of God. We need to clearly understand that. That's why the Bible says, righteous shall live by faith and righteous shall thrive like a green leaf. You cannot go on just like rest of the American, rest of the neighbors, rest of your friends, and expecting that somehow you will thrive. Many people are already trying that. But when you look at the scripture, it's not talking about that. It's talking about those who live a holy life by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
So to thrive, I believe, is to live a holy or righteous life by faith. Then the question is, how can you thrive by living a righteous, holy life? Well, that's why we need to depend on the power of Christ. We can, can we do with our own power and ability somehow that we can be set apart and different living a holy life? No. The Bible says those who trust in their riches will fall. What the riches here? Is it talking about just money? No. Riches represents not just more uh, mere money or finance. It's really about your own power, your own ability, your own skills. But for those who, depending on their own skill, ability, power, money, possession, and skills, just like the rest of the Americans, right? We, it sounds like we American dream people, right? We, we depend on our, our own ability. When you depend on yourself, you will not be able to thrive. You will fall, the Bible says. Those who trust in their riches, those who trust in their possessions, their, their power, their ability, their skills, they shall fall. But, he says, the righteous, not the righteous by your own merit, but the righteous by faith. Those who are righteous by faith, those who depend on God, will thrive. So without your own, without your own power, with your own power, ability, skills, possession, you cannot thrive. You cannot live a holy living. You cannot live a righteous life. See, God is the one who is making you, empowering you to thrive. That's why the righteousness comes not within us. Righteous comes from, righteousness comes from Christ. Therefore, we, as we depend on Christ, we receive His power of Christ, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe if you want to thrive as a righteous, by faith people, you need to understand and depend on the power on the Holy Spirit, on the Holy Spirit in your life. By the way, Holy Spirit is the, not just mere force. He's a third person of Trinity. He is God. He's a person. And when you receive Him in, in your heart, when you receive Him in your life, things will never be the same again. We call this the, the process of regeneration, being born again through the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit? I already made that clear statement and clear teachings. You can go back on YouTube and listen. That even though you call yourself Christians, a lot of people, they did not complete the process of regeneration by receiving the Holy Spirit, by being filled with the Holy Spirit. No wonder many Christians today live a defeated Christian life. You ask yourself, did I receive the Holy Spirit? Because without the Holy Spirit working in you, you will not be able to thrive. You will learn to, you will continue to depend on your own power, your own ability. You will not know what it means to depend on the Holy Spirit. This year, I really want all of us to thrive in Christ. And I really want all of you to receive the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm praying for you, every single one of you, that we will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Then I don't have to cry out, let us do this. You will, do, you will exactly know what to do because the Holy Spirit is working in your life. I don't have to say, but read the Bible and seek God's love and His Word. You will have this hunger and desire to know God even more. It is my prayer. You have to seek the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you want that? Do you want Him? Do you want to know Him? The question then is, how can we depend on Him? How can we receive Him? How can we be filled with Him? Well, He's a person. You ask. You start to ask, God, I want to receive you. God, I want you to come into my life. I want you to work within my life. I want you to come. Let me give you this, Matthew chapter 7 and 7 through 8. Just make it simple. How do we ask Holy Spirit? How do we ask the Holy Spirit to work, come in our, fill us and work within us? Well, ask, he says, it will be given, you, given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Let's use that principle. Ask in prayer. How do we depend on the Holy Spirit? The power of the Holy Power of Christ? 
so that we can thrive in Christ and live a holy life, to set apart different life? You ask, how many of you actually pray? Some, some of you might say, I don't know how to pray. Doesn't it? There's no, you don't have to recite some kind of prayers. You can speak to him as a person. By the way, when you start to speak to someone that you know or someone that you want to talk to, do you come out with uh, some kind of paper and start reading to the person? Is that how they communicate? Can you imagine? Oh, let's have fellowship. Hey, how are you doing? Wait, I have something to say. And you pull out and then you start reading. You don't do that, do you? Heart to heart, right? Let's sit down. Let's have fellowship. Let me listen to you. Let me speak to you. You can do that with God. How do we listen? You seek His Word, Scripture. How you speak to Him? You pray to God by faith. So, if you want to depend on the Holy Spirit, first, let us ask in prayer. Amen. See, prayer is the ultimate expression of dependence on God. Those people who pray, they know that they need God. If you do not feel you don't need God, if you don't feel that you are in need of God, guess what? You will never pray. So you understand, those people who do not pray, they are depending on their own power. Right? When you go to examinations or exams in, in your school, those who have a confidence, oh, I know the material. You don't pray. But those who are in need of God's wisdom, oh, Lord, please help me to remember what I studied. Right? Those who are poor in spirit, the Bible says. Jesus describes in that way. They will pray. But we need to ask in prayer. As we pray, the Lord will strengthen you, provide you wisdom, and guide your life, and he will give you your power of Christ in your life. You are missing out when you don't pray. How many of you are missing out as a Christian? Man, so many of us. Ask in prayer. Amen? Second, seek the word. It says, seek, then you shall find. Bi seek the Bible, the word. Listen to him. He will speak to you ever so powerfully. It's not just a text. When you read, the Holy Spirit will work within you. That's why the Bible says, to keep the, this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. This was a word given to Joshua. Joshua was the, the leader after Moses, the successor. You remember Joshua? The Moses, the great leader of Israel, uh, Israelites, died. And... <clears throat> And the Moses picked Joshua. Oh, God picked Joshua, but Moses picked him. And Joshua was like, I don't know what to do. I mean, I'm not Moses. I'm not full of wisdom. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to do, God. This is what God gave him, the word. He spoke to him. Do not be scared. Don't be, do not fear. Be courageous. But he says, Keep this book of the law that Moses gave you always on your lips. Meditate day and night. Day, day, meditate it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. My brothers and sisters, I said it all. If you really want to be depending on tapping on the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to seek God's word. You can't just pray and expecting things that to happen. You need to know what to pray. You need to know his heart, isn't it? Can you imagine in a relationship with a person, you just kept saying without listening? It happens to a lot in marriage, right? Right? The husband and wife, we felt like, man, we just kept saying something to, the, to each other, but we don't, it's very hard to listen to one another. But what happens when you just keep saying to some, that person without listening? Oh, it's mis miscommunication. Where there's no relationship. It's just one way. It's very hard to make that kind of relationship work, right? You need to learn to listen. Same thing. You cannot just ask God and speak your peace to, the, to God. If you really want to have a relationship with him, you need to seek his word. How do we depend on the Holy Spirit? As you seek his word. And the Holy Spirit never works outside of the word of God. He will always help you to obey the word of God. 
And through that obedience, which is the next point, we will be able to experience the power of God exerting in your life. Lastly, knock in obedience. Ask in prayer, seek the word, and knock in obedience. You need to understand, my brothers and sisters, we don't just read the word and just pray our peace to God. No, we need to learn to obey his word. That's what it means to depend on his power. If you truly depend, want to depend on the Holy Spirit, obey the word of God. Follow the word of God, which comes into the next point. Third, how can we thrive? Through we need to obey the principles of Christ. So we depend on the power of Christ. We, we what? Believe as we seek the presence of Christ. And now we need to what? Obey the principles of Christ. What does it mean by the principles of Christ? It's simply it is simply the way of life according to the Word of God. Because His ways is perfect, psalmist says. The Lord's Word is flawless. He shields all who take refuge in Him. Amazing. See, the Bible is the final authority for all things and the means by which God provides principles for living in a way that the protects from harmful thinking and behavior. We have to understand. Scripture clearly teaches us how to live as God's people. We need to follow that principle. That's what we are lacking in our country today, in, our, in the Christians in, our, Christians in this country today. Why we are living in a very defeated Christian life? Because we fail to obey the principles of Christ. This is a way of living. There is no other way. It's not an optional thing. We think as a Christian we have options. We don't. We cannot follow the principles of this world. We follow the principles of God, the Scripture. That's why we cannot compromise the Scripture. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what great politician says. I don't care who says about life, marriage, identity or social even social issue i do not care what they say i have to care what god says why is that in terms of social and political issues so many of us we tend to ask people right even amongst christians we ask christian leaders what do you think this denominational leader what do you think sir perhaps you are a, a seasoned pastor what do you think about this issue why don't we actually ask God and seek God's word? And there is no compromise on this, my brothers and sisters. The principles of Christ is a way of living. It's a lifestyle. That's something we choose to be, choose to follow. That's the only way we can thrive. You know those people who are one foot in the world, one foot in the church? You will never be able to live perfect Christian life or full Christian life. You'll always miss out. Oh, you will be miserable. You'll be in the limbo between. Do you want to live like that or do you want to really live? Then do not compromise the principles of Christ. Do not compromise the Word of God. Why? 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, Paul says this, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. Let me say it again. It's useful. The Word of God, it, all the Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Jesus said in John chapter 15, apart from me, apart from my word, you can do nothing. Remain in my word, he says. What a powerful expression, isn't it? Remember my word. Not just remember, remain in my word, meaning follow every day. Do not compromise my word. 
follow as it is. Saturate yourself in the word of God, Christ. And obey the word of Christ. Know the principles of the word of Christ. And live with that principle in your life. Then you will know the power of God exerting and expressed in and through your life. Amen? We're not to live conventionally, following the conventional wisdom, just like regular people, regular Americans. Again, before you are Americans, you are Christians. Yes, we need to be faithful citizens of this nation, this beautiful, God-blessed American nation. And I love America too. And I'm proud to be American. But I'll tell you, my allegiance first goes to Christ, His kingdom. I am a Christian. I'm a, I'm a child of God in Christ. And I cannot, I cannot compromise the principle of the word of Christ. Amen? So I tell you, unless you obey the word, the word of God will not be powerful to you. That's why the word of God is not, not it means nothing to the non-Christians, non-believers, non-unbelievers. It's nothing, it does nothing to them. But for those who believe, he says, is the power of God unto salvation. It can change everything about you. Unless you obey the word, you will never be able to experience. So you want to thrive, living a righteous and holy life for Christ this year, even more? Spiritual, physical, financial, ministerial breakthrough? Well, let's do something about it. Right? Righteousness of God is given to us through faith. Great. Right? We can depend on power of Christ. Great. He gives us enabling power. Now then, you obey. Do something about it. It's a mutual relationship, isn't it? It's not just God doing everything. You also need to participate in what God is doing in your life. We have to do something about it. We have to stand up for the Word of God. No compromise. And we remain in His Word. Then you will know. That's why James said this. Man, there are so many Christians who listen to the Word of God, who kind of know the Word of God, who call themselves Christians and coming to church. But you know what he said? He said, do not merely listen to the word, but so deceive yourselves. Man, so many people, we listen to the word really well. Oh, it sounds good. Oh, that preacher is very good, eloquent preacher. And we agree what they say. We agree what the Bible says, great. But he says, do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. You know what he says? You know what he said? Do it what he says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what he says is like a someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking, looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgot, forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law, which is the, law, the word of God, that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, then they will be blessed in what they do. They will be blessed in what they do. My term, my, my translation, they will thrive. Amen. Those who obey. So simple, isn't it? Some people come, came to one pastor and said, how can I be a successful businessman? And this old preacher told him, obey the word of God. That's the key to the success of life. Didn't what God said to Joshua, right? Keep this book. Man, so many people looking for success, prosperity, right? Even we twist the gospel message to lure people to get some prosperity gospel, and we get so easily tempted to lure into those kind of message. But it's very simple, isn't it? If you want to be successful in your life, if you want to be prosper in your life, if you want to thrive in your life, keep this book of the law 
closer to you. Meditate day and night. Seek it. Do what it says. Simple, isn't it? Don't look for the way of success in somewhere else, some kind of seminars that you go to. Just be, go to the Word of God. I tell you, those who saturate themselves, those who follow Christ, I don't see it. I, mean, I haven't seen anyone who fell in their lives. Last but not least, how can we thrive? Well, we need to not only believe and seek His presence of Christ, not only depend on uh, the power of Christ and obey the principle of Christ, Last thing is, I think it's really, we need to learn to enjoy the providence of Christ. Providence in the Christ. What does it mean by providence? Well, it comes from the word provide, which has a two parts. Pro, in Latin, it means forward, in on behalf of, or vide, actually is to see, to look at. Okay? So literally, provide, you know what that means? It means to see forward. Proceeing it, foreseeing. That's actually what provide means. You're foreseeing. It's the actual meaning. is to supply what is needed to give substance or support. Like you kind of know the future, so you give, you provide. That's actually what provide means. So the noun providence has come to mean the act of overseeing by providing for or sustaining and governing the universe by God. That's what the word providence of God means. Right? Even though the word providence is not found in the modern translation of the Bible, the concept is very clearly biblical. It refers to God's gracious oversight of the world, of the universe, by providing and governing that's why Westminster Catechism is, according to Westminster Catechism, it says this, God's works of providence are His most holy, wise, and powerful, preserving and governing all His creatures and all their actions. I know it's a very a lot to take right now here, but the point that I'll make it simple, simple for you. I'll make it simpler for you. God is in control. Amen. That's what it means. Nothing is happening without his control. Okay? It means he upholds all things, governs all events. He directs everything to its appointed end. He knows. It's nothing in this world is going out of the control of God. He is in control. It does not mean that he's controlling every action of us. No. And then I said that he's controlling everything. No. I said he's in control. Just like in my house, when my two kids chaotically going crazy and screaming, still, as a parents, we are in control. We know exactly what's going on, and we know when to stop them. We know when to encourage them. Again, that's what I mean by God is in control. That means if God is in control, we are to do what? I think... Uh, three things that we need to do that we can enjoy God's providence is this. First, no complaints. No complaints. Let us not complain, knowing that God is in control. But for me, it's very hard to do. I know when the things are going bad, when I hear some news, I get so frustrated, so depressed, and I go, man, what in the world is going on in our society? When I see things not going the way that we want it to go, we go, what, is the world is, what in the world is going on? We tend to easily complain. And as Christians, I know the frustrations that you are facing in your life or in our society today. But as Christians, as believers, if you want to enjoy God's providence first, since we know that God is in control, we, can, we, can, we, we should not complain. See, God's providence frees us from bitterness. I really believe that. I think if you look at example in the Bible, Genesis chapter 50, 
If ever any man had right to get even, it was Joseph, right? We get bitter because we doubt God's goodness, and we don't see his invisible hand at work in our lives. Think about Joseph. His own brothers betrayed him, sold him to slavery to Egypt. Imagine that. But at the end, he sees the God's providence. The reason that he was sold by his own brothers was to later to save the whole Israel, whole tribe of Jacob. That was the whole point. And he acknowledged that at the end. Oh, now I see why I went through all this trouble. But God was in control. He was making something in my life. Right now, you might not like your life. We might not like the, some certain situations. But as we believe in Christ, and as we understand the providence of Christ, let us not complain. Amen? Secondly, let us patiently wait for God. See, God's providence gives us a new perspective on our tragedies, turmoil, and trials. That's why we can interpret things of life differently than the world. When the bad things happen, all the world does is get depressed, get angry, get bitter, and complain. But we wait patiently for God. Our perspective is that God is good all the time. All the time, He is good. No matter what, He's in control. And He knows what He's doing. And if you truly believe that, we can wait patiently for God. We don't have much time, so I'm not going to explain this point, but let me just move on. Last but not least, if you how to enjoy our God's providence so that we can thrive in our life, last but not least, we, we need to have a confidence. Let us move forward with confidence. See, God's providence gives us the courage to keep going even in the hard and difficult, difficult times because we know that He's in control. We know that He is with us and he is in control, then we can enjoy God, the providence of Christ. My brothers and sisters, that's the way that we shall thrive this year. As we fix our eyes on Jesus, believing and seeking his presence, depending on the power of Christ, and obeying the principles of the word of Christ, and the last but not least, enjoying the providence of Christ as we know who is in control. If we somehow learn to do this, I think, as we continue to live our 2022, I know and I can, we know that God will surely bless all of us so that we can continue to thrive in Him. Amen? And it is my prayer, all of us will not miss out this year. But we will really enjoy this year with God no matter what happens. Amen. Let us pray.